And welcome. You're listening to The Green Majority here at CIUT 89.5 FM or one of our wonderful, very appreciated and uh, passionate even mm. community radio partners and sponsors all the way across the country and now into the United States of America as well. So hello to uh, the rest of Canada. Hello to Toronto and hello to our southern neighbors. I'm sitting in studio right now uh, as usual. Uh, with Stefan Hostetter. Good morning. Good morning, Adam. Uh, afternoon or good evening, depending on where right. people are listening. Or good night. Or good night. Good evening, folks. <laughs> um, so I have basically, here's how the show is going to work to this week, folks. Uh, we have, uh, or we had scheduled, uh, and we still hope to have scheduled, mm-hmm. an interview with Mark Burry, who's the uh, author uh, of uh, Killing the Messenger. Um, and it's about uh, essentially Harper's War on Science. So we're, uh, we're interviewing him. He's a, a very established uh, Canadian author. He's written about nine or ten books. Uh, and we will hopefully be speaking to him later today, uh, or later in the show. Uh, we had had uh, and the interview organized, and then something came up last minute, and then we may have worked out a way to still get him on. So if we may or may not, hopefully, fingers crossed, it looks like we will, but we may or may not have Mark Bure on at the end of the show. Uh, so in the meantime, what we're going to do, Stefan's here, uh, and actually, uh, he's got something that's been uh, a bug in his shorts uh, that he wanted to talk about this week. Um, so just before we go to that, I have a couple of really quick announcements, and then, Stefan, we're going to throw to you, and, uh, and I'll let you jump right in. Sounds good. So a few things. One, we, uh, of course, have our uh, the, the newer climate cartoons out. And I re- the reason I wanted to highlight that again, of course, aside from the fact that we'd love it if our listeners went and took a look, was that really uh, – and this ties into all the politics we've been talking about recently, Stefan – was that – it's it's not a it's not a it's not even a pro renewable thing like we just like renewables. It's not an anti conservative thing. I mean, part of the original talking point when we made those cartoons was you know send these to your conservative voter friends because it's not about explaining climate change. It's really about explaining the amazing economic opportunities uh, that are that are possible through renewable energy. But uh, I did not have a chance to watch the debate last night. But I've been uh, I spent quite a bit of time this morning reading through people's reviews of the debate, and the 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 stark reality here is is that it's and. This isn't partisan. It's simple, a stated fact. Was it the only party that actually takes the actual science of reality of a situation, the science into the into uh, consideration? Their platform is a Green Party. So, really, if you have any NDP or liberal or conservative voting <laughs> friends, you should watch this cartoon and send it to them. Uh, again, not because we're trying to get anybody to vote for anybody or to not vote for anybody. It's really just that this isn't something that is being completely left out of the conversation. So, there's that. Second thing, we as have a, a oh, go ahead. On that one. Yeah, uh, I think that what I would who you also should send it to as an aside is teachers. Yes, uh, do that because uh, what we would love to do uh, one of the one of our long term goals with this project is actually to package these in sort of sets of five to provide teachers a sort of tool to talk about these things that is fun, accessible, and engaging for for high school students. Absolutely. Uh, and the second thing we're going to do this week, of course, is that we have a new initiative here in the Green Majority called Vote for the News. Mm-hmm. That's been going well. We had double the voters this oh, week wow. as last week. Double. That's times two step. Who won? Uh, so the winner was interesting. So we had a first and second runner up. One of them was the constitutional uh, challenge um, uh, surrounding some First Nations land and the ability for them to be self-deterministic about their land. Uh, there, That was a story about uh, – well, uh, tied up in that story is, of course – uh, the ongoing Grassy Narrows litigation uh, around clear-cutting on, on First Nations land. Uh, so we will be dealing some more with that. Uh, the other winner, which I'm sort of, uh, I, I, like I said, as I said, I just posted all the news stories that we talked about. The the other winner, uh, a tie for winner actually, was the state of the climate thing that we talked about, which we basically spent the entire show talking about last <laughs> week. So I'm not sure how to take that. I'm not right. sure if that was a vote of a, 
approval that people approved of our conversation or, they want more. or if they actually want more. Right. So we'll figure something out. We're okay. going to come back to that theme. It was very popular. Uh, and just as a general point, I mean, this vote aside in general, we're actually going to be making a very intentional point to be covering more Aboriginal and First Nation stories in general. It's always something we've wanted to do. It's really it's a capacity and knowledge issue. It's been my position that I don't it would be of a greater disrespect to talk about something in absolute ignorance and without someone who can provide us some guidance than it would be to just not talk about it. And that's a sad state of affairs. And so a lot of the time, frankly, we just pass these stories by out of fear of, of doing a bad job or, or disrespectfully or, or uninformedly. Uh, I don't think it serves anybody for us to talk ignorantly about those topics. Mm. So we're going to be we're going to be addressing both of those. Thank you very much. Of course, today you'll be able to vote for today's news as well. Uh, we do have an interview set up uh, with Tony Turner uh, for or hopefully Tony Turner in a couple of weeks based on last week's vote. And uh, as another note, I went to the uh, and I filmed the Harper Man oh, sing along at Queen's Park yesterday. Uh, I'm going to be working on that tomorrow. So by Sunday, it'll be out. It was really fabulous. You you have to see <laughs> the giant Harper doll that they made. It was just amazing. <laughs> so that video will be out soon. Uh, nearly through the announcements. I got uh, basically one more uh, here as soon as I can get that back up. Uh, right. Oh, and this is just another important thing for our podcast listeners. And we'll, we'll get into some of this more stuff later. Uh, so for the podcast listeners, we're actually going to be doing uh, we're going to be doing some expanded content. Um, the limitations of having this as a radio show means that uh, we have a time limit. There's only so long we can make the show and we have to keep it under an hour so that our syndicates and everything can play it. Uh, but we always have more stuff to say. So uh, there's going to be some changes to the podcast. The podcast is going to be differentiated from the stream that we send out to radio stations. It will have some additional content, but it also means that if you are a current podcast listener, you may have to change your RSS. We have uh, the, so basically the place where you get the podcast stream. So just as a warning, we're going to do a few more of these warnings uh, going forward as well. Uh, but if you are a podcast listener uh, or would like to become one, you should do that uh, through any service that you use. Uh, if you do suddenly stop getting the show, we did not disappear. We did not stop. Please just check out greenmajority.ca and update your links. Uh, I assure you it is for a very, very good reason and not just because we're trying to drive you insane. So that's this week's announcements. I have a little more, but we'll talk about it later. Uh, without further ado, Stefan, please introduce your topic for the week. Yeah. So this is this is something I've been thinking about for a while. And I, I what I the first thing I want to do is a call for help. Uh, for, for for all the listeners out there, because uh, I want to find more examples of this in society. Uh, so what I'm looking at is this interesting. Is it, uh, so I'll tell the story for the beat. So at the very beginning, uh, the um, what we're all talking about, or what I'm seeing more and more, is a discussion about slowing down. Uh, and this is incredibly ironic from a person who talks faster than uh, probably anybody uh, and who doesn't really stop moving. But and I just want to, I've said this before, but I want to point this out. Technically, I talk stuff faster than you. I know it sounds like you talk faster, <laughs> but you skip words and you skip letters. I'm that's cheating. cheating. Hey, it's, it's, hey <laughs> cheaters, cheaters win. <laughs> um, that's that's a, the theme of today's show. <laughs> Cheaters win. win. If you want to win, cheat. Brought to you by uh, Stephen Hosser. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but uh, so on the topic of slowing down, it started the first time I saw it uh, was obviously was when s slow food became a thing a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was sort of an interesting idea. I'm not really a foodie and slow food is really into was really all about, you know, slowing down and eating your food uh, and enjoying your food and being present with your food, which was very which is like was something that like while I found interesting was not something I was overtly I didn't mm -hmm. dive into the whole idea. Mm -hmm. uh, and then about a year and a half ago, uh, I was at a at an organics conference and was introduced, I'm actually interviewed and have an interview with uh, the, the, the founder of Slow Money, mm. uh, which interesting, still also, also has to do with food, uh, but Slow Money was all about basically accepting smaller returns 
per annum or per quarter on your investments, uh, but to invest in sustainable long-term growth. Uh, in specifically in small local agriculture. So Slow Money is this organization that has small groups across the United States. I believe there's at least one in Canada now, maybe a couple, um, where you can invest your money in Slow Money, invest in this, and then they will choose, and you can work with the organization to choose what local agriculture gets this, get this money, and then it's and then it's proven to have good rate of returns. But it is, it's not, you know, it's not you're not going to make you're not going to make a million dollars tomorrow. It's not it's not that kind of stock market. Uh, but it's 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 a very interesting idea, and then what really got me onto it, which is a very which is really weird, it's like those both were in the same sort of sphere. So I was like, okay, that's an interesting thought. But moving on was a book that. Uh, so my stepmom gets her second call out of two weeks. I just realized, uh, but a book she's reading called Slow Church, hmm. uh, and. It was so. It was such a different field than the other two that it made me think. Maybe there's something larger to this conversation. Maybe this is. There's maybe there's something larger to in society where society is sort of revolting against the fast, fast, fast nature we've built up over the last fifty years. You know, maybe we're looking at a world where, when fifty people come in uh, and say we need you know burgers yesterday uh and fast food and and, and basically and the idea that you can sort of order something from china today and, you, and it will show up like three hours later by drone um <laughs> maybe there's a, maybe there's actually a larger movement here of, of people sort of saying well what happens if we slow that all down mm. what happens if we stop trying to fill our time so much with this with 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 uh with 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 consumption really you know like the what happens if instead of um, instead of filling your three hours that you just have between lunch and dinner by going shopping because that's just what you do for fun, you just had longer lunches and dinners, um, or just spent more time doing nothing? Hmm. Uh, and this and so what? If, so the call out, the cry for help uh, to to our listeners here uh, is if I want more examples of the slow movement. Um, I, the more as quickly as possible, please. I want all these answers immediately uh, of slow movement. Um, and Stefan needs them because there's nothing more hypocritical than Stefan Hostetter saying that people should do less things. Yes, exactly. Uh, so he really needs your help, folks. Yes, please find find me other ways. Uh, but like, because I think there's a there's interesting cascading effects of this idea of the slow movement and uh, and the fact that we've we really have filled our lives with consumption to fill time mm. um, and. And the idea of slowing down and being more present, whether it's in all of these facets already that, that I've mentioned and, and, and then more that you're sort of seeing out and, out and about, um, is super interesting. Your thoughts? When I, th- I think there's a lot of comparisons for that. Well, I, I, I have an add-on and I, and I have a potential uh, challenge for that. All right. uh, so my add-on it was that uh, a lot of things uh, – and you know, there's things I'm interested in um, – that outside of the environment that I like to do. One of them is a huge nerd and I like playing video games. Yes, I'm 33. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a, that's something that's super interesting to me. One one of the things that I actually enjoy, and I, and you know, forgive me if the, if video games aren't your thing, but this is just I'll speak through the language that I know. But something I enjoy very much, which I feel like is very very underappreciated, is is replaying things to really just really get a full sense of it. You know, you'll skim through something. It might be an article, it might be a book. Oh, that was a good book. Whatever. You move on to the next book. Um, but I really enjoy actually going back and back over the things. And you'll find that even in the most simple things, generally I like games that have really big stories that are very hinging on the story. And for me, it's an, I, I like them as interactive storybooks. But I love going back through and finding all those things I never noticed the first time through. And, uh, and it's this chance to sort of, as you say, sort of slow down with the content, really have a chance to absorb something and think about it and ponder. 
Uh, and I think that could very easily be translated to a lot of other people, you know, rereading an old book instead of buying a new one or something, not just because you're not consuming, but also because I think you'll find that you missed a lot of things the first time through. And, and that sort of contemplative narrative, that idea of just sort of like being with things. And to really understand them as opposed to just coming up with a snap sort of impression of it and moving on, uh, I think really could be applied to a lot of way of our lives. Uh, that's my add-on, mm. my challenge, yes. which we'll, we'll talk more about Tim Nash next week. And it's, it's more of a question of a challenge mm. than, a, than a direct challenge. Right. Uh, would be the idea that we've kind of built our entire world economy on the basis of things not being like that. Right. And despite its, its good-sounding intentions, mm. is there not possibly a risk that if this idea actually caught on, that our entire global economy would collapse? Oh, wow. That's quite a challenge. Um, no, I'm not trying to put you on the spot no, here, yeah, Stefan, but uh, uh, destroying the entire planet. Yeah. What say you? Well, destroying the entire economy. They're not the same thing? <laughs> um, the, I, so I think that's, I think that's a very that's an interesting point. And I think, I think it comes really down to the – you're right. Right now, our entire economy is built on growth. And right now, our entire economy is built on this idea that uh, we need to constantly keep growing, constantly make more money, to constantly do everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of these ideas, like or this and a bunch of other ideas that we sort of that we harp on a lot, like the sharing economy and stuff like that, are all about building resiliency and reducing our need for consum- or a need for money. Really, mm-hmm. you know, if if we're spending less money, we need to make less money. Mm-hmm. If we need to make less money to live, it's it's it's, it's really about you know decoupling is the idea of decoupling uh, carbon emissions from the from from um, from the economy. Uh, but I think there's another conversation about decoupling uh, our lives' well-being from the economy. Uh, and that's the thing that we don't talk about as much, but I think it's equally as important mm. uh, in that there's hundreds, there are millions and millions of people living very good lives, uh, billions of people living very good lives uh, on, on with the, but without really needing, without really buying in entirely to this consumptive culture mm. um, and, or, or spending say a lot of money on a single small thing uh, because they you know because they want to support you know local organic produce that was raised by uh, you know goats um, which doesn't exist just to warn you <laughs> but goat farming <laughs> yeah no uh, two quick add-ons yeah. to that as well would be uh, one of them would be uh, I believe and I'm and I'll just freely admit here I'm making up the number but it's the the ratio effect is mm. is still accurate because uh, I don't remember the exact number and I don't have access to the internet right now and today unfortunately mm. um, is that there is a, there is a people say money can't buy happiness there is a direct correlation between happiness and money right up until the point of something around like the equivalent of about twenty four thousand dollars a year per person canadian or something like that it might even be less it's not more for sure and what happens right there is that after that point there is no correlation whatever uh and i think that's a really interesting comment on that is some of the happiest people that you're going to find true true happiness happiest people are going to find are not even in the upper end of the middle income bracket. Uh, generally, these are, and of course, how many kids you have makes those numbers mean a lot of different right. things, but th- money really doesn't buy happiness. It's science. Sure. We know it for sure. Uh, and the other thing would just be that you and I have a lot of experience being, uh, you know, quite fulfilled. You know, I would always deal with more money. If people want to send us a million dollar <laughs> check, we'll take it. Um, but I've been quite content living on about $22,000 a year for quite some time now. Yeah. So there you go. I think, yeah, I think there's definitely that, that conversation to be had. Uh, you know, obviously with kids, it, Comes a whole different conversation. You need dramatically more money to keep them alive, uh, but but I think there's still you know there's still that conversation. At some point, it doesn't. You're right. It, I think I, I always heard it was seventy thousand, but I think that's seventy thousand a household, mm. uh, which might boil down to roughly the same number. Um, and but yeah, like there's a, there's that thing about um, the the I want to come back to the idea of decoupling because like 
we've spent the last 50 years trying to convince people that consumption equals happiness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's really only been about the last 50, 60 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, before that, the, and before that, the reason why it sort of it was implied was because, you know, if you were the king and had all the power, you also had all the stuff. Uh, and that was just the way you had things. Um, but but interesting. There's there's a, there's an entire there was a very you know there's a very interesting bit. Uh, I forget exactly when um, when they differentiated the idea of what old it was like early 1900s I think. But it's old money versus new money. Mm. Uh, and it was and it was this it was this, it was this guy from old money who was going on about how people who had old money uh, you could tell you couldn't tell because uh, they didn't go around showing it. But people with new money were, were showy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now just everyone is showy. There's just not <laughs> people who aren't showy anymore. Um, and it's you know and, and and it's because we've sort of created this culture where being showy is 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 is, is how you display your wealth. It's, it, I think there's like we've we created this culture where being wealthy is val- valuable or being wealthy is desirable, and so you want to prove to people that you are of that higher status. Mm-hmm. And it's all status politics, much much more than it is, uh, much more than it is money politics or the value of money until of course you get to the point you know when you're destitute and that's obviously that's too far uh but like again if you know if it goes back to all the different conversations about we're gonna get to the leap uh mm-hmm. in, the, in the next section uh so we'll start just sort of that the idea of the leap of course is Naomi Klein's um uh along with initiative maybe? initiative sure mm-hmm. uh to, to try to bring Canada back to or not back but to move Canada forward in a, in a positive way and be in be Canada and part of it includes a, a reference to basic income mm. um and and I think basic income has a very that has a very interesting point, which is that once you have a basic income, then the question really becomes, well, I'm going to live, I'll be fine. What do I want to do with my life? And that's a very different question than, you know, once you get on the treadmill, uh, when do you stop? You know, once if you're making hundred thousand dollars a year, but you're spending hundred thousand dollars a year on your expenses because that's how you think your society expects you to spend, you're not making any money. Mm. Uh, and are you really get and, and, and like so it goes back to you know what is the good life, which perhaps is probably way too broad to get on on the show. But the final call out before we go to break, because uh, I know we'll do that, uh, is please if you have any more examples of people pushing back in towards the slow economy or the or or slow anything. In mm. fact, I want the weirder the movement towards slow <laughs> things, the more I want to hear about. You're it. gonna get tweeted at like a thousand pictures of turtles. You know that. <laughs> you know what you've just done to yourself. Uh, wait, I'll take at Stayho underscore. I will, I will by the retweet way. all pictures of turtles I get sent. <laughs> I will retweet all. That's a turtles. dangerous offer. It's right. at Stayho S T E H O underscore underscore is very important. Yes, exactly. Uh, send him pictures of turtles and, and slow things. Them. Uh, but yes, yeah, I'm really so. And the, the weirder part of society that you have the example of this, the more interesting I will find it. Uh, or but it, mainstream, not mainstream, anything. I'm really interested in it. I want to sort of see how far this. I want to see how far down the rabbit hill goes. Mm, I love it. What a good pause. Okay, so we're gonna go to our first music break here. You're listening to the Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM, or one of our wonderful community radio partners, or perhaps on the podcast. We're gonna go to a music break now we'll be back in just a couple of minutes folks don't go anywhere we'll be right back
And we're back. You're listening to The Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM. And I was about to get even faster there, and then Stefan reminded me that I had to slow, slow down. down. So I got halfway through the back end, <laughs> and we slowed back down. All right, Stefan, you're going to help us introduce Leap. Yes, The Leap, uh, which I can't help but wonder if it was in any way inspired by, uh, by Chris Turner's book, The Leap. Mm. Because... That was where I when I read the when I, when I read it, it, it doesn't actually they don't get really into it much. Uh, but Chris Turner's The Leap is still my one of my favorite books ever on climate change, and I still uh, and I still reference it pretty consistently, even though it's now a little outdated. Uh, but and and this is about another Canadian creating something else called The Leap. It's interesting that and, and, and the idea behind The Leap, of course, in, in Chris Turner's book was that uh, you 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 cannot see the the where you're going uh, from where you are now. And so when you do, when societies take massive leaps uh, forward uh, in different different progress, you can't actually see where where you'll end up. And you can't really judge that. Um, It's somewhat similar to the German word zeitgeist. Uh, to some extent, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so, so they do, so his like pull button was that we decided needs to leap now towards sustainability, and then he had all in the book is really just laying out all these different examples of of places who have done that in the corollary benefits that they've seen. Uh, so it does, the the name itself is interesting, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but the but the leap basically of another kind uh, has a starts from the standpoint that we need to start respecting indigenous rights, uh, and then really is a manifesto. It goes it, it they, they even say sign the manifesto on the on the on the website, and it goes through a whole whack of different things, uh, and it lays out and it really. Um, an entirely different Canada. Uh, from every every, it hits almost every single part of Canada uh, in this in the in this in this pitch. And you know, if 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 I was to if I was to quibble with it at all, mm-hmm. uh, it is only to say that it's hard really to argue for a leap with, with which has which which really is so many different things. Mm-hmm. To me, a leap sort of requires one thing, and then we ju- and that's the and that is the leap, and then a specific we'll ask the, exactly. And uh, we talk about that a lot on campaigns. Uh, just to interject mm-hmm. you for a second, a lot of time, uh, you know, we've done some consulting independently and together, and also we've just sort of talked about a lot of campaigns mm-hmm. here on the show. And a lot of times, the ones that fail is for that exact reason. There's a you're, you're identifying a good problem, you're giving a lot of good evidence, but there's no and what do I do about it is missing. Mm-hmm. And so that's a really key factor here is that it's about the plan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so and so they have a whole so they have what the leap it, what this the manifesto does really well is it does it paints a lovely picture of a Canada we could live in. Mm. The uh, house on the hill is uh, exactly. uh, our other friend. Uh, I'm blanking. The clean tech guy, uh, Tom Rand. Tom Rand. Tom Rand loves yeah. to use that house on the hill. Exactly. Narrative. Yeah. Uh, and so that so that entire so that part is very interesting. Uh, and there's that entire bit. Um, but you know, uh, but I think I think the ask itself is still is 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 broad. It's a very mm-hmm. broad ask, mm-hmm. uh, but I, uh, to me, the, the you go read it. It's very interesting. It has it hits really every point that progressive Canadians have been talking about forever. You know, it asks for indigenous rights. It asks for you know, as I said earlier, a, a minimum income. It asks for a, a, a progressive price on carbon, uh, reducing military spending. Like it is everything that progressive Canadians have been asking forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, better access. You know, inc- increasing immigration and refugees. It, it really is. It's a. It is a. It is a campaign platform wide uh wide request it's the it's the the santa claus good list exactly you just list everything that you want and then you get as much as you hope for exactly um and, and so <laughs> you know and so and so i think you know uh which is interesting is that, again the the leap terminology to me i think would be stronger put if you like ask for ask for progressive carbon tax and then let the implications fall as they lie mm. uh but 
moving on from that point. That's not what I want to talk about. It's very interesting. I, I agree with almost the, I think of the entire thing, if I remember correctly. Mm. Uh, it's, it, by all means, read it and sign the manifest if you like. What I want to talk about, though, is how it was reported. Mm. Because it reminded me very much of the, peop- of the, of the um, Jobs, Justice, and Climate March, of the People's Climate March, uh, which you're wearing your wonderful People's Climate March shirt right now, Darren. Excellent. We did not coordinate We did not coordinate this. Um, and really... And, 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 it, and it, I think, highlights the really part of the most frustrating part I have with the media and reporting climate action mm. uh, is that there's three ways. I, really, I, 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 I prefaced to you two earlier. I think there's a third way, which I've just thought of right now, um, which the media can, decides to talk about uh, to talk about climate change ever. Um, or, or, or could go ahead about talking about climate change ever. The first is this is a really boring science story which you don't care about, uh, which is written. You know, it's it's it's, it's when it's when an IPCC report comes out or any of those sort of reports come out that like backed by a ton of data and facts and things you should care about, but is reported as like scientists say this. Yeah, I was just going to say the way you start any article you don't want people to read is by start it with the word scientists are saying blank. Yes, exactly. Uh, especially because 18 or 18, like, no, like there are going to be 25 other articles that would say scientists say tomatoes are bad for you and then everyone ignores those articles and so that you're lumping them all into terrible science reporting, which is a whole different conversation. Yeah. Uh, but that's the first way. The second way uh, is activists disrupt something. Mm. Uh, which I, which is the one I did not pitch to you, uh, which is literally ju- with, with that, that story. You, like you, you, you can find that story anywhere. It's like this event was happening here. This person jumped in front of the mic or said something. They said these three. They were t- they were ish- their pet issue was this. The thing carried on. They were then escorted off by RCMP. Exactly, and you can find hundreds, thousands, who knows how many versions of that article wherever you want, whenever an activist says something. Mm. And the third one is celebrities say something and this is the one that this 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 is the one the leap fell into and i find it really kind of aggravating Mm. uh because the constant constant the constant thing you hear from from media newsrooms is that we can't talk about climate change because there's no way to connect it with people people don't care we don't it's not interesting um and and that's why we sort of put the science news on the third third fourth page uh which is you know i understand the i understand the business argument for that so fine um, but then you get something which, like, which is intentionally set out to draw media attention, mm-hmm. uh, you know, by actually bringing in bringing in people who the media will pay attention to, uh, which you're most obviously celebrities, uh, and then it gets bypassed. Like the issue so no, becomes secondary, and suddenly it's just listing the names of celebrities who who actually show up. That was li- you're not even being facetious. That was literally the article that I read started <laughs> with a list of celebrity names. Yeah, and it's like it's 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 like you can't win. In none of these, in none of these situations, do we actually have a conversation about climate change, or actual conversation about what we could do, or an actual conversation about how to move forward with anything? It's mm. we're ignoring it in every single part. But you're, you, you, the good point you made during the the break, I want to make sure you didn't mm. forget to come back to, was the idea was that this is to some degree seems we have to put that in mm. seems to be almost intentional, because anytime as and this was your point, but. Uh, and almost any time there's a sort of a critique of any of these things that tends to be more business or conservative friendly, where does it go? It goes in the business section. It goes in the financial section. It where goes serious conversation. Where serious conversation with serious people are having. And anytime anything with the environment, if it's put in at all, they will put it on the front page and put activist in 10 foot high letters so that it looks like oh, a bunch of other nut jobs who don't really know what they're talking about. Uh, we're causing trouble and look what an annoyance they are. Mm-hmm. Or, as you say, it's about celebrities, and then where does it go? Entertainment section. Yeah. 
or, or you so know, it's or, it's it it seems to be we can't say it is it seems to be a tactic to d- 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 diminish uh, quash conversation any conversation that happens about it is about the celebrities because then of course what does that prompt the old uh, herring about uh, do celebrities uh, is it valid that we listen to what they have to say exactly and, and then you can just by 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 putting Naomi Klein's name on it and then having a discussion about whether or not we should be listening to celebrities you've just silenced the entire conversation about what they were actually talking about and it's disgusting yeah and I think and I think that you can you can point really to a hard and fast example of this happening uh, is when you actual when you like um, you, you can give you can give you, you can give the media X amount of level of, uh, as much doubt, doubt as you as much benefit of the doubt as you wish uh, but when you find the organizations and you find the people who are actively and you know are actively trying to downplay the environment conversations uh, the places that are sort of out to belittle you know the green movement. Uh, wh- what do they focus on? They focus on calling it a celebrity issue. Mm-hmm. They're focus- that's their conversation they're having. Uh, and so, at the very best, the best you can give the media is that they're sort of playing into the hands of people who are trying to silence the issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the best that we can give them. And I think it's interesting that uh, science that if if there's four ways, four beginnings of a conversation, uh, or four be- head- beginnings of a headline that go, uh, scientists think X. Um, activists think X, celebrities think X, and uh, and um, economic economists think X. Only one of those is going to be in the you know the business review, mm-hmm. uh, or, or 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 the you know the Times or something like, like the the only one of those is going to be taken actually really seriously um, because the scientists cause, again science reporting is terrible. So scientists apparently think everything. They will simultaneously <laughs> tell us that carrots are good and bad for you. And it's not that science thinks that; it's that science reporting is so bad that that's how, that's, that's how they report it. Um, activists can be dismissed as as people who don't understand the world, which is perhaps the most the, the most consistently used argument from economists is like, oh, well, well-meaning bleeding hearts with no understanding of how the real world works. Exactly. Um, that's a perfect way of describing it. You uh, find a single person that says that to you, and you tell them to come on this show, and I will <laughs> lacerate them in public. Um, and then the third, of course, is I'm is, not kidding. I, I believe you. Uh, and the third <laughs> is celebrities, right? And again, celebrities are the exact same thing. Celebrities, celebrities are perhaps activists with money. Uh, which again, but then and then there's that slight hint you get to be like these rich people are trying to tell you how to think. Do you really want to think like they want you to think? I don't know. They're celebrities, and it's again, it's it's used as a negative term, and mm-hmm. it's you know whether or not any of this is intentional or not. There's it, every time I read an article that is like, hey, this is something we should do, and we bought a bunch of people who agree with us on stage to, to help us think that, think about this thing, uh, and it gets reported as celebrities only care about this. All I can think of is that you're doing a disservice to the actual conversation, um, which leads us into another. Do we have time for another news story? Uh, we do. We, we're running a little tight. I'd like to. Um, we had one thing we want, definitely wanted to get to, so I want to. I want right. to do that with the clip. Uh, I'm, I'm want to say one other thing quickly, and then we're going to go to our, our clips uh, here as well for the final story. So the the one I, we're going to get to, and we may have time for more of this later. Mm-hmm. But uh, there was a really interesting article put out by Press Progress uh, called "Ladies and Gentlemen, Stephen Harper is Begin- Getting to Panic." Uh, I don't agree with the conclusion uh, of the article, but. It, uh, it did highlight something really interesting, and this has come up before, and I want to make sure I mention it. If you uh, have this, the inclination, uh, I urge all of our listeners to make a fake profile and go sign up for a conservative party newsletter. <laughs> because the stuff that they're saying, they're trying to keep this very, very hush-hush, and I know a lot of journalists who have fake accounts so that they can get these emails. Hmm. If you actually read them, it is very understandable why we can't have a reasonable conversation in this country. Because the emails themselves 
are literally fear mongering. They're going out. So that guy with that was screaming at the at the uh, the journalists right, the yeah. other week. The angry old man. That is because they get emails every week saying the the media is in the pocket of the liberals and they're going to destroy this country and blah blah. blah. And it's terrifying, fear mongering, and it's manipulative. And a lot of it is extremely uh, misleading at best. And it really shows you at what at what extent he'll go to to talk out of two sides of his face. Mm-hmm. It's very enlightening and it's disturbing at the same time. The uh, we won't get into it, but the most interesting one that was the point of this article was that Stephen Harper sent out a, a, a or his party sent out an email to their supporters telling you how terrible and weak and turmoil and fragile. These are all direct quote words that were used in there. Turmoil, fragile, upset, uncertainty, consequences, all highlighted words in this email talking about how terrible the economy was and how terrified you should be of anyone but them being in charge. Mm. Yeah. Which makes any person with three brain cells to rub together go, what? You've been in charge for eight years. What are you talking about? Well, all these emails are going to old stock Canadians. That's right. Old stock Canadians. (laughs) Another thing we don't have time for this week. But uh, anyway, there's a lot more. Uh, This may or may not be our last opportunity to talk about news. Uh, There's a number, just a, just a, just a sea of things to talk about this week. Uh, A deluge, if you will. Uh, So we'll post, I'm going to pick my highlights. I'm not going to put all of them. There's seriously like 35 news stories I flagged this week. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to pick like, uh, I think maybe going forward, just keep this under wraps. I'm going to pick like the top five uh, for people to vote on or something like that. Uh, or, or I might just sort of weed them out for things that are, are possible to have yeah. interviews on or something like that. So we'll do some curation there, but please vote for the news. Our very last thing you were going to get to here right before you we go to our music break uh, was there was a story and, uh, and I actually, I'm so excited about it. I have some sound effects queued up. So I want you to start to say the beginning of the story. And then I, we have some celebratory music. For okay. You. Okay. Uh, so Tony Abbott is no longer prime minister of Australia. Oh man, I'm so excited, yeah! Down goes Abbott. But unfortunately, there's another side to that story. Uh, turns out that if you uh, go read some Australian newspapers, a lot of the progressives there, and even some of the internal things basically saying that basically Harper just, uh, Harper, <laughs> easily confused for Harper, yeah. Tony Abbott, uh, who was the, probably uh, tying, uh, oscillating between first and second for the biggest climate uh, criminal on the planet uh, with Stephen Harper. Uh, essentially he was just, per- it was, they, they were perceiving that he was personal. So the guy that they actually got to replace Tony Abbott in Australia, and this is very relevant to us because they're the other country that's one of the other major countries that's actively petitioning to stop any climate action, mm-hmm. uh, believes in climate change, believes in marriage equality, believes in all these progressive things, but stepped up to assure his party and his constituents, uh, that they, he would not be implementing own, any of his own positions and that all of Tony Abbott's policies would be staying. So unfortunately... No dice. Yes. Well, let's, you know, well, maybe, maybe we can hope this, this, this time that this politician is not particularly honest. Uh, another fun fact before we go to our second and final music break here uh, on the show was, did you know, I'm, and I, unfortunately I'm doing this from memory. I don't have the article right in front of me. I believe this is the accurate number. Mm. Five prime ministers in five years. Wow. Isn't that amazing? That's ridiculous. And we've had one Tony Abbott clone yeah, for, eight for eight years. Eight. Yeah. So really... At least, even by random draw, I think the Australians have a better chance of getting a better it's prime true. minister than. Yeah, we do. exactly. Well, they'll probably have three more in the next three years. So yeah, we'll there you find go. out. Uh, so that's uh, that's it for our news section. We're going to go to our second and final music break. Uh, but uh, what I didn't do last time, and I want to do this time, is to actually. Uh, 
get Jason to tell us what we're going to be listening to here on the show. I wanted to add simply that uh, this uh, this is a friend of the show. This is uh, somebody we work with at uh, CSI. Uh, and uh, I'm happy to play his music. If you have a friend or you're in a Canadian band and want to get some exposure, we are very, very happy to play uh, Canadian artists here on the show. In fact, we try and do our best to make sure that everything we play outside of funny music clips is Canadian. So, Jason, what are we going to be listening to? And, and would you mind, and I forgot to go to you last time, would you please tell us what we listened to in the last break and oh, what we're about to listen to? Yeah, sure. The, uh, the first one was um, uh, a band called Always and their song uh, Archie. And we're going to a request now by a band called Maggot and their song called Footprint.
And we're back. We're into the final section here of the Green Majority. We're, we're going minute by minute here, folks, because we may or may not uh, be, ha- uh, be interrupted here at any moment uh, by a call from Mark Burry, the author who's uh, uh, killing the messenger. Um, and if that happens, then we'll go to that interview. If not, then, uh, then uh, we've uh, assured each other that we'll be able to rebook the interview. So uh, if we do not get him today, we will get him in a future time. My apologies if you were disappointed you were hearing from him today, but uh, life happens as it, as it goes. So as a stand-in, what I did today, uh, in lieu of, of getting through some more news, because uh, we could just do that for hours anytime, um, is that uh, what I put in here was a little clip from Carl Sagan. No one's surprised, but it's not the clip that I usually play. The clip that I wanted to play a little bit today is talking a little bit about sort of the purpose of life. And I'm going to do it as an intro because uh, the folks here, and and we've actually had uh, the uh, temporarily not a co-host political guest today, Kevin Farmer, has joined us in the studio over here very quickly. We're going to ask him as well if we have time to comment on this about sort of what the meaning for us is, what's the motivation for us. So we're going to get super ultra-philosophical here at the end of the show. And without further ado, this is Carl Sagan. See that star? You mean the bright red one, his daughter asks in return. Yes, you know, it might not be there anymore. It might be gone by now. Exploded or something. Its light is still crossing space, just reaching our eyes now. But we don't see it as it is. We see it as it was. Many people experience a stirring sense of wonder when they first confront this simple truth. Why? Why should it be so compelling? The immense distances to the stars and the galaxies mean that we see everything in space in the past. Some as they were before the Earth came to be. Telescopes are time machines. Long ago, when an early galaxy began to pour light out into the surrounding darkness, no witness could have known that billions of years later, some remote clumps of rock and metal, ice and organic molecules, would fall together to make a place called Earth, or that life would arise and thinking beings evolve who would one day capture a little of that galactic light and try to puzzle out what had sent it on its way. We can recognize here a shortcoming, in some circumstances serious, in our ability to understand the world. Characteristically, willy-nilly, we seem compelled to project our own nature onto nature. Man, in his arrogance, thinks himself a great work, worthy of the interposition of a deity. Darwin wrote telegraphically in his notebook, more humble, and I think truer, to consider him created from animals. We're Johnny-come-latelys. We live in the cosmic boondocks. We emerged from microbes and muck. Apes are our cousins. Our thoughts and feelings are not fully under our own control. There may be much smarter and very different beings elsewhere. And on top of all this, we're making a mess of our planet and becoming a danger to ourselves. The trapdoor beneath our feet swings open. We find ourselves in bottomless freefall. We are lost in a great darkness, and there's no one to send out a search party. Given so harsh a reality, of course we're tempted to shut our eyes and pretend that we're safe and snug at home, that the fall is only a bad dream. If it takes a little myth and ritual to get us through a night that seems endless, who among us cannot sympathize and understand? 
we long to be here for a purpose, even though, despite much self-deception, none is evident. The significance of our lives and our fragile planet is then determined only by our own wisdom and courage. We are the custodians of life's meaning. We long for a parent to care for us, to forgive us our errors, to save us from our childish mistakes. But knowledge is preferable to ignorance. Better by far to embrace the hard truth than a reassuring fable. Modern science has been a voyage into the unknown, with a lesson in humility waiting at every stop. Our common sense intuitions can be mistaken. Our preferences don't count. We do not live in a privileged reference frame. If we crave some cosmic purpose, then let us find ourselves a worthy goal. All right, so there we are. You're listening to The Green Majority. In case you're just tuning in and you're like, what are we listening to? You're listening to The Green Majority here. And we're going to get really philosophical at the end mm-hmm. of the show here because uh, I, uh, I was looking for something to play and I almost played the – I almost pulled up the, the Carl Sagan thing I usually play. And then I found this one and I, and I thought, you know what? Let's not just for the sake of me playing the thing that I, that I get all giddy listening to. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's talk a little bit about this today. So for me personally, I mean that, that whole thing, if you sort of look at, listen to it at first blush, it could, I, you would be forgiven for feeling a little bit depressed. It's a very mm-hmm. sort of reality check little quote by him but the reason i that the the thing that inspired me to say yes okay we're going to play that clip today was that really what he's really getting at here and and he didn't sort of spell it out in so many words but was really the idea that uh you know all of our problems all of the things that we consider issues here in the canadian election right now or the australian election or anybody's election all these things uh if you start thinking as a planet if you if we start thinking as one people then immediately all of these issues become moot the idea as to whether or not we take refugees becomes moot. It's our planet. They have as much right to be citizens and safe and happy as we do. Uh, the idea of uh, dealing with climate change becomes moot. It, it's no longer uh, the conversation about what do Canadians do and what should the Americans do? And, oh, well, we're not going to do it because the Chinese aren't doing it. If we think as one planet, then, then these questions, all of these questions, all of these arguments become moot. The science is clear. There's, there's two camps of people who, who essentially aren't on our side. There's people who say, well, yes, but the cost is too high to me. And then there's people who deny reality. The people who deny reality, that's just denying reality. The people who say the cost is too high to me, that attitude will doom us. End of story. So as far as meaning and as far as my personal sort of inspiration and why I take the time to do what I do is essentially boils down to this, that, that life is not inherent of its own meaning. We are up to us to create our own. And I've decided that even if our efforts are pointless, even if the human species is doomed and we, and we can't turn this boat around – I see this option as, well, then there's no cost and no risk to me, and I might as well try and do something, because what do I have to lose? And, uh, and I think a lot of people don't look at it that way. But really, this is what I see. So what the biggest stopping the world at a meta level is essentially trying to promote the idea that we need to be thinking as a planet, and regardless of what your conclusions is. We need to be thinking at a planetary scale now that we have planetary impact. And so essentially, my meaning for my life, which I can, I can be safe in assuming will never be solved. So I, I'm not going to have to reassess and come up with new meaning at some point. Although if I do, I can deal with that. Uh, essentially, is to promote that value when it really comes down to it, is to promote the idea that we have no choice if we wish to continue to think as a planet because we are one. Uh, and sort of, so that's, that really spoke deeply to me for that minute, uh, for that reason. 
Uh, we've got about eight minutes left. As I said, we do have Kevin Farmer in the studio today, and we had one other question we wanted to ask him if we could. So, mm-hmm. Stefan, I'm going to go to you if you'd like to just make a comment about that, and then uh, and then we'll hear a couple thoughts from Kevin. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I want to. I want to draw a different part of the actual bit that spoke to me specifically. Please do. Uh, which was the part about falling. Um, specifically the idea that all of humanity is sort of falling down this this black hole. Uh, because I, as, I, as I referenced actually previously, when whenever I get asked, you know, why I do this or why anything starts, it starts from a place that of, of feeling lost. Um, and I think, I think as, a, as a general rule – Anyone, the, the smartest people on earth, and you know, even uh, you know, the Socrates quote that lots of everyone is the, the lots of quotes reply to this say roughly the same thing. But the smartest people I've ever found on earth are the people who sort of are like, well, I don't really know, uh, but this is my best guess, and so I'm running with it. The best, the smartest people on earth are falling down a vast, vast hole. Uh, trying to find a way to find answers for anything as, or, or trying to find a parachute to stop themselves. And they know they're falling. They know they're powerless. They know that to some extent they don't have this sort of thing. But they're, they, they, they build themselves up and be like, well, this is occurring and I'm going to, uh, and I'm, and I'm going to, and I'm going to try. Uh, and I don't know if it'll work, but I'm going to try. Uh, and I think the, the most dangerous people on the earth are the people who think that they're standing above the well, above the hole, looking down into it. The most dangerous people on earth are the people who think they've figured it out, who think they've, they know what, what's up. You know, the people who uh, ha- throw YouTube ads with Lamborghinis and books in their garage and tell you the good life can be learned if only you enter this man's very, very fancy garage. Um, if you haven't, if you don't know what I'm referencing, you're you're you're, you're better. You for don't it. watch enough YouTube. <laughs> you don't know YouTube, and you're better for it. Um, and, and the idea, and it's, it comes down to the sense where like that's the part that got me. Uh, I think was that this idea that we at our best that humans like we put a ton of pressure on ourselves. I think the flip side of sort of uh, of this idea that we are you know deities uh, is that we are also uh, don't have the power to uh, that we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be deities. Uh, and I think there's a freeing nature to accept that maybe we're just falling down a massive black hole. Mm-hmm. So there's a freeing nature to that. We know we, we are, our job as single humans cannot be to solve the world. Uh, but I think it is our job to, to wake up every morning and, and be like, okay, well, these are the things in front of me. Let's try to make the world a better place. And I think that's, that's the part that spoke to me. And I want to give Kevin as much time because I really think Kevin's got a great rant uh, on, uh, <laughs> on the second question I want to ask him. Only so current, minutes, so. Uh, for, for the sake of technicalities, current Green Party candidate, not show host not member of the green majority but uh partisan political person <laughs> kevin farmer what say you uh what gives you meaning and try not to uh be partisan uh, well i've never been um hi everyone uh rumor has it i'm still alive uh, i think i think if i were dead i wouldn't be this tired <laughs> i can confirm the rumor i am seeing you right now unless you're a ghost are you a ghost I, I don't fe- don't dodge the question i feel are you a ghost? i feel like a ghost okay um i still see my reflection in a mirror though so we, um we ask Green parties really tough questions. Yeah. Are you a ghost? Defend yourself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, you know. Now, are you like seeing yourself in the mirror, like vampire question, or like uh, Dorian Gray style? Which way? Are you <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, carry on, please. Uh, 
Yeah, uh, that's a good topic. There's no, there's no time to uh, do we. Is there meaning in life, or do we assign meaning to life? That's an extremely good uh, question, and there's not enough time to talk about. it. I will say this though: we can answer um, that in five minutes. Come on, yeah, come we on. We can solve this in five minutes if you do want to. In Western thought, one of the people who advanced this idea profoundly in I think the 1940. Let me see. Uh, yeah, 1946, a, a novel published by not a novel, sorry, a book published by Viktor Frankl uh, called *Man's Search for Meaning*. Uh, it, he's, he is a Holocaust camp survivor who went on to found a school of psychotherapy called logotherapy, which is based on the notion that we, we find meaning in the events of our lives and we create that meaning for ourselves. And it's a, it, his, it, his writings are profound. Um, they were seminal, and uh, they're old enough now that I think people might have forgotten about him and, and his, his work. But Viktor Frankl. Uh, and and if you if you if you're of the YouTube generation, go on to go on to YouTube and just uh, find any speech ever given by Alan Watts. Uh, and interesting, the la- interestingly enough, the, la- the last letter that I wrote to the Star um, uh, was was on the connection between um, this on this very topic. That uh, I, I believe if you go if you put my name in their search engine, you'll find a letter. The most recent letter was titled um, uh, "Destroying Earth is Making Us Sick." And it was about the very fact that we're not actually separate from this planet at all. We uh, we we came out we came out of this planet. We didn't land on it like a flock of birds. We 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 came out of it more like flowers on a tree. And it was a weirdly philosophical letter, but they published it anyway. So uh, that's uh, those are my thoughts on this topic. But but you have to go and look them up for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a good cop out. My three minute answer of a fifty minute question is to spend three minutes referring you to a fifty minute essay. Uh, no. uh, okay, so here we have two final things. One uh, a listener of the show uh, sent in. I usually don't do plugs for events, but you know what? They were just so nice about it you know don't get used to it right. uh and also i i think it may uh sadly unfortunately I, I hope it doesn't but i'm sure it will probably apply to very few people but the person who contacted me was very lovely so i'm going to do it anyway so october 10th to 12th if you are in cochambamba bolivia there oh, wow. is a the world's people so uh, i'm sure i didn't pronounce the name of the thing but basically if you're going to be in bolivia in mid-october uh there is the world's people's conference on climate change and the de- defense of life and they will be filling uh doing a whole bunch of conference coming up with a whole bunch of specific asks and bringing that to cop 21 in paris so if you're going to be in bolivia or if you're interested or if you know any people there check the show post we'll have more information we have one minute left Kevin Farmer, because the Green Party was not in the debate, I feel fair asking you who won the leaders' debate last night. Kevin Farmer. Indisputably, the Globe and Mail marketing department (laughs) 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 that managed to brand every single shot in one of our televised national leaders' debates with their logo. (laughs) Democracy in Canada, folks, now brought to you by Google, Globe and Mail, Monk Center for Global Affairs, Twitter, uh, who did I miss? Uh, Rogers, McLean's. These are all people with a dog in the fight, and they are determining the formats. I'm not being partisan about this at all. I'm being an angry, cranky old man who lives in Canada. They're determining who gets invited, the formats, the questions, who even shares the broadcast. Get these people out of this game. Put Elections Canada in charge of this. They are an internationally uh, respected uh, elections administrator. Uh, we, and, and just get these corporations out of our leaders' debates. All right, that's it. You heard it from Kevin Farmer. Everybody in have a really good Green Week, folks, and we'll see you all real soon. You've been listening to The Green Majority. Check out the website for all the show posts, greenmajority.ca, and vote for the news. Have a good Green Week, folks. See you all real soon. 